the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, Merry Christmas, and welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. It's great to be with you, and what a joyous time as well. We have such a fun show today. I'm excited for all the moving parts that we've got. Most of it will be live We did pre-record the next segment because my good friend, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, joined me. And I said, well, I'm going to be respectful of Shabbat. Let's go ahead. And if you want, we can pre-record this interview. You'll enjoy it anyway. Free-flowing, unfettered discussion for half an hour straight, which is why this segment to start the show will be very short. And in that spirit as well, let me wish our Jewish brothers and sisters, our Jewish listeners here on 710K in USA, happy Hanukkah because... They overlap this weekend. Christmas Eve's today. Christmas Day is tomorrow. And Hanukkah began last Sunday, and it will end this coming Monday. So happy Hanukkah to you, and Merry Christmas. What a pleasure and a privilege to be with you on Christmas Eve. We'll have our conversation with Rabbi Hausman coming up in the next segment about what Hanukkah is really about Is it the Jewish Christmas? We'll dive into that question coming up, as well as some fun blues discussion. Speaking of blues, top of the next hour, I'll be joined live by Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, known as the Electric Rev. He's somebody I've been listening to for nearly 20 years. He's got tremendous music. He's a Christian blues guy. He's a pastor. He is excellent. And I'm excited to talk with him about Christmas, blues, and more coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. We'll also be joined by none other than Santa Claus himself. Here's the big question. Is Santa going to be able to dodge the rumored Polar Express strike? It's a big deal. Elves ready to go on sympathy strike. Will that happen or will Christmas be on time? We will talk with good old St. Nick, Chris Kringle himself, coming up at the bottom of the 7 o'clock hour. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, Rashini Rajkumar, another good friend of the show. She'll be joining us. She is a communication and crisis coach, and we will go over various crises and PR blunders and so forth of 2022 with Rashini and only the way Rashini can do she of course as well is the host of the crisis files podcast and we will have some time in that hour to take your calls if you so choose 303-696-1971 is our telephone number throughout the show 
You can text into the program on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone. You can tweet at me 24-7-365 at Sang Center. That's saying with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. And you can email me a couple ways to do that. Go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page at 710knus.com or log on to my website, jimmysangenberger.com and go to the contact page there. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is E-Z. The website, jimmysangenberger.com is also where you could find our bluesified Christmas bumpers at jimmysangenberger.com slash bluesified Christmas and All my columns are on the homepage, the most recent columns. You can see what's coming up on the radio show. Lots of stuff at my website, jimmysangenberger.com. So Rabbi Jonathan Hausman will have that interview coming up here in a moment. Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, Santa Claus himself, maybe some other special guests, and Roshini Rajkumar Plus. Your calls at 303-696-1971. That's all coming up on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Get the festivities started. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. It's Denver's local talk leader. News Talk 710-KNUS. Merry Christmas, baby. You should just treat me nice. Merry Christmas, baby. Should you treat me nice? Gave me a diamond ring for Christmas. Living in paradise. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. Got good music on my radio. Yes, we do, folks. Yes, we do. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. Got good music on my radio. In fact, it's the best Christmas bumper music you'll find anywhere. Well, I want to kiss you, baby. While you're standing beneath the mistletoe. Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. With one of my absolute favorite classic Christmas tunes, Charles Brown's rendition of Merry Christmas, Baby. And I learned this week a little bit of musical history for Merry Christmas, Baby that I did not know. And I learned it from my rabbi friend who celebrates Hanukkah, but is always in tune with the great Christmas blues music. And he joins me now, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman of Ahavath Torah Congregation in Stoughton, Massachusetts. My friend, happy Hanukkah. 
Happy Hanukkah to you and Merry Christmas, Jimmy. Hope all is well. Thank you. You know, I think you're doing pretty darn well. And I appreciate we're recording this during the week so that we don't have to take another Shabbat Saturday for you. I so appreciate your time. And can you just tell us a little bit about this musical history? Who did the original Merry Christmas Baby? Uh, the original Merry Christmas Baby. Well, um, it was, uh, listen, it's an R&B blue standard. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Lou Baxter and Johnny Moore co-wrote it, but it was Johnny Moore's three blazers that recorded the tune. And um, as you said there, you got the singer there as well. But the thing of it is, you know, people say, ah, oh, great. You know, heard it before. Actually, most people have heard this tune before. Otis Redding covered it, amongst others. Oh, I mean, I played so, several different renditions. B.B. Yeah. King did one. Oh, uh, he's got a great one, too, yeah. Uh, Joe Bonamassa, um, Eric Clapton, all great versions. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, um, there's a cover band out of Australia. Uh, I caught this, as a matter of fact, the other day. Uh, the group is called Sing It Live. Sing It put it together, sing it live. And they do a nice up-tempo, sort of poppy version of, of the tune. My favorite happens to be Johnny Morris. What can I tell you? The Three Blazers. Yeah, the, the original, I uh, did not know that that was the original, but it did have, as you mentioned, Charles Brown on Charles it, doing Brown. piano and the voice. But this, this yeah. one, there's something about just Charles Brown's version, his own version, that's just, it's laid back, it's nice and cool, it's a little bit more refined, and just absolutely beautiful. So how are you doing this uh, Christmas Hanukkah season? Well, listen, for me, it's always a busy time. Lots of activities at the synagogue. Uh, in the middle of this holiday, I had to co-officiate at my nephew's wedding. So, you know, you're, you're busy. You do what you got to do. Congra uh, you know. Yeah, congratulations. I want to ask you, but we'll get to Hanukkah in a moment, but when it comes to the blues... I mean, you are someone who, through your synagogue, has over the years put on various blues festivals. You're not a musician yourself, though, as I recall. But what is it about the blues that you love so much? Oh, my God. Well, for me, in terms of musical forms, it, it, it speaks to the quintessential essence of, of the Jewish historical experience. You know, how do you turn... How do you turn any of these emotions, sadness, whatever, uh, dispossession, into something joy, joyful? And and you you do that by singing about your problems. You know, um, you do it in a specific key or a specific keys with a stiff, specific meter to it. And you know, for me, that's what I hear when I listen to the blues. Whether you're talking about whether you're talking about Johnny Moore's Three Blazers, whether you're talking about Clapton, Stevie Ray Vaughan, B.B. King, Albert Collins, who happens to be one of my favorites, mm. um, you know, and, and, and how blues along with country, along with gospel, really happen to form the three-legged bass for a lot of what we listen to here 
uh, in the United States right now in terms yes. of contemporary music, pop and whatnot. You know, uh, it's funny. This is a, a true story, as a matter of fact, as most of my true stories are. We're in the car. Uh, my kid couldn't have been more than seven or eight years old. Um, my wife, my daughter, and I were driving somewhere. And as always, when the three of us are in the car, my wife's in the car, we let her drive because that's what you got to do. <laughs> so she puts on the radio station. We're listening to a couple of things. And the next thing you know, Honky Tonk Woman, Rolling Stones comes on. Mm-hmm. And, and and my wife makes the comment, oh, you to our kid, oh, you know, here you go, rock and roll. And my kid says, Ma, this is not rock and roll. What do you think it is? She said, this is nothing more than the blues sped up. <laughs> exactly. Hey, that is what rock yeah. originally was, is the blues sped up. And if you go to the Stones, I mean, heavy, heavy blues influence for the Stones. Without question. Listen, and the Stones recorded at Chess Records with uh, with, with a, a, a number of the artists there, Muddy, Muddy Waters Muddy. and what. Mm-hmm. They, were, Johnny they were huge. That's right. And they were just huge, huge fans these a lot of these British invasion artists and groups, yeah, you, you were heavily influenced by the American blues scene, and you know, and also by how American blues uh, ended up af- affecting people like Buddy Holly and whatnot. I yes. mean, look, look and, and take a look. A lot of the you know rock and roll songs over the years. What are you talking about? Unrequited love, you know, disappointment, things of that sort. You know, and, the list goes on. And, and, that's right. Um, you know, Jacqueline actually argued with one of her friends in college about this. And because, <laughs> you know, they say, ah, you know, Led Zeppelin is a heavy metal band. And my kid said, no, Led what? Zeppelin is a British blues band. Zeppelin, a uh, heavy metal. You know I haven't heard that one before. That's that's yeah, new for me. Yep. Huh. I'm telling you. And, and my Good for kid, your daughter. Yeah. Way my kid go. starts to explain how. Led Zeppelin, the base of their music were all these riffs and rhythms from Willie Dixon, yep. who was the chief, one of the chief songwriters for Chess Records. I mean, if people, you know, listeners know BB, um, not BB King, Muddy Waters, Hoochie Coochie Man, and a number of the big hits that came out of Chess Records were all written by Willie Dixon. That's so true. And, you know, and 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 of course, Jacqueline finished this off by saying, and and so enamored and taken. With with the blue scene here and Willie Dixon, that there were several lawsuits filed against the the uh, Jimmy Page yeah. for for co opting, you know, wholesale Sunny Boy without Sunny Boy Williamson is one example when you talk about Bring It yeah. On Home. They literally used part yeah. of Sunny a recording right. of with- Sunny Boy Williamson too, and and Bring It On Home. And and that, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was they didn't give attribution and pay for the rights. Yes, that that was the That's problem. Right. You know, That's and right. you know, uh, and, well, and yeah. yeah, you know, the first the first couple of albums. I mean, it was just lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. Rabbi, Willie Dixon and Chess Records made up. Yeah, listen, they they did very well. Merry Christmas, baby. <laughs> by the way. Elvis Presley does a cover of it as well. Yes. I oh, I mean, everybody and their uncles done a, a cover of Merry Christmas, Baby Rabbi. I just yeah. have to, as sort of a, a lead in, Hanukkah, I want to do two things. Number one, in all of human history, I don't think that there is a, a people who have experienced the blues more than the Jewish people. And that seems to be one of the themes that you can take away from Hanukkah as well. I mean, at least leading into uh, the the Festival of Lights is 
is the, the, the experience of the Jewish people, and then you have this miracle that takes place. Right. Well, the first part of the statement, yeah, absolutely. The second part, yeah, the Jewish people with the historical Jewish experience and expulsions and dispossessions. Thousands and, of years. And, yeah, without question. You know, I mean, listen, we're talking about at least 2,300 years of unremitting uh, anti-Semitism. And it's very interesting if you read Genesis uh, the goings on between the history between Jacob and Esau, literally the Torah, the Bible says in Genesis, Esau lisone Yaakov, that's what it says in Hebrew. Esau hates Jacob. It doesn't give a reason. It doesn't say it's economic. That's it. It's just Esau hates Jacob. And Esau is paradigmatic for the, from the, for the rabbinic mind for the non-Jewish nations in the world. And, yeah, listen, you can see it today with the explosion of the anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic acts, not just across the United States, but worldwide. Yeah. What are the causes of it? You know, they're spiritual, it's religious, it's economic, it's political. You know, it just morphs over time. Israel now being the, instead of the individual Jew, Israel, Israel the state of Israel is now the replacement for the Jew. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. So... Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, our guest out of Stoughton, Massachusetts, a Havath Torah congregation there in Stoughton. I, I, you know, it's hard to find Hanukkah songs. You got all these Christmas tunes, and Christmas is known very much for Christmas music. But I did find a a handful of different tunes. Somebody named Papa Kitchen, and he has a fun little ditty called "Rockin' Hanukkah." That I wanted, I just felt like I needed to play a little harmonica along with this tune for you, Rabbi. Let's see what you think, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, of this little tune. Uh, I'll go on harp here. My brother plays bass, my sister plays drums. I like to sing and strum. It's gonna be. Rockin' Hanukkah okay. Mama grabs Papa and they start to dance There's a whole lot of love and a lot of romance it's gonna be a rockin' Hanukkah carried away here in our discussion, but uh, I-, I felt like it was an occasion for a little bit of fun here, Rabbi Hausman. Well, let's see. Um, I have to be honest with you, Jimmy. I've never heard that song before. When I, I hear the harmonica, <laughs> I, I gotta figured. tell you, you know, I, I, you know, it's I, I, um, I think a Hanukkah songs. I think of some of the. Jewish acapella groups, ensembles who have recorded. Beautiful. I indeed. also think of, 
I also think of Adam Sandler, you know, his Hanukkah song. Of course, of course. Who, yeah. who does it? But, you know, I mean, I I don't know. This is some random. Uh, Papa Kitchen is this guy's name and makes for a good tune to play a little harp along with, right? Without question, without question. And you know, Jimmy, I'm a big harp fan, as you know. So, Oh, without a doubt. It's such a fun, yeah. cool instrument. Yeah. So Hanukkah, yeah. look, yeah. obviously I'm a Christian. I celebrate Christmas. So you hear a lot of people who are Christians or who are non-religious, don't celebrate, and they just think Hanukkah is the Jewish Christmas. It's a similar time of year. Kids get presents, or at least that's a custom that has grown in the United States. Here's a broad question for you, and then we'll unpack it. Is Hanukkah the Jewish Christmas? No. Simple as that. No. Um, and, and, And interestingly... Hanukkah historically has been a very, very, very minor holiday on the in the Jewish pantheon of holidays. Um, I think that's one of the most surprising things for those of us who are not Jewish, because it just there's such a a big deal about Christmas for obvious reasons, and it's a cultural holiday in addition to the religious significance. And so when we hear that, it's like, well, wait, okay, why not? And what is Hanukkah really about? Well, listen, you have it depends upon which sources you're reading. There there are two distinct pieces to this historically. The more the most popularly known uh version as it were of this happens to be the battles of uh Mattathias and his sons, the Maccabees, all five sons, fighting the imposition of an outside religious culture of the Jewish people. So you had Antiochus IV Epiphanes uh, defiling the temple in Jerusalem, setting up uh, idols for statues for worship, uh, and suspending, actually making it illegal, for Jewish observance, keeping Shabbat, uh, observing Shabbat, uh, uh, circumcision, uh, teaching Torah and things of that sort. So it, it was an attempt by the Seleucid Greek Empire to turn all pockets, and it wasn't just against the, uh, uh, against the Jews, but against uh, anybody who wasn't Seleucid Greek to turn them turn them into Seleucid Greeks, Hellenize them, as it were. Okay. Well, the, the the Maccabees were descended from a priestly class, and they gathered around them Jewish patriots, as it were, to fight this attempt by the Seleucid Greeks to Hellenize Jews and extirpate this uh, strange, different religion, faith system, and ethnic group, because we are we are a nation, not just uh, a, a religion. So, you know, eventually they, the Maccabees uh, defeat the Seleucid Greeks. They enter the ta- temple. They clean up the temple. They find this one cruise of, of refined kosher oil, uh, supposedly only enough to last one night and miracle of miracles to last eight nights. So to commemorate that, what do we have? We have Chanukiot, the Hanukkah menorahs, those candelabras with eight branches, a ninth branch for a candle that helps you light the other candles. Okay, and it commemorates this victory in the dead of winter. Through the historical record, though, 
there could be two other things that are taking place here. One is this was a deferred observance of sorts for the Jewish holiday of Sukkot, which which non-Jews would know as tabernacles, which happens to be an eight-day-long holiday. But instead of celebrating in the um, mid to late September into the early to mid part of October, it was deferred because of all of the all of the def- defilement that took place in the temple. And since there were a lot of lot of peoples, a number of peoples who had celebrations of light on or around the winter solstice, this ends up being incorporated into to Judaism. A deferred the use of light to commemorate this deferred celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles of Sukkot. The other piece of this is very simply that this was not just a war uh, against forces outside of the Jewish people, meaning the Seleucid Greeks, but it was also a war against people within the Jewish people, a civil war, as it were, taking place. Because you had a large number of, of, of Jews at the time who were enamored, they felt the, uh, of Greek, Seleucid Greek culture, and felt the pull of it and said, listen, we're going to slowly acculturate. I mean, they didn't say this specifically, but they ended up slowly acculturating Greek practice and then assimilating into the Seleucid Greek background. You know, not too, di- not too dissimilar to what we see to huge pockets of the American Jewish community today. You, you know, how do you fight that? The, the Maccabees basically said, listen, we're fighting without, but we're also fighting the enemy within. So there's a, there was a dual significance there, a spiritual battle yeah. and the, the physical battle. Yeah. Now, you take a look at the rabbis who were writing, you know, anywhere from 200 to 600 years after the unfolding of the actual events, they had issues. The early rabbis had issues with the Maccabees for a number of reasons. One of the biggest reasons they had issues with the Maccabees is because there, there was here you had these actions that were supposed to purify the temple, but there were a lot of trading, uh, you know, illegal buying of the high priesthood, as it were. And the later rabbis more than had issues with this, they sort of downgraded the military aspects and the civil war aspects of the holiday, the commemoration, and focused more on the spiritual and the festival of light, as it were, the lighting of the Hanukkah menorah, as it were, whether it's with oil or candles. They ended up focusing on that aspect of it. Why exactly is that? Why why did they want to emphasize so much that spiritual aspect while avoiding the militaristic component? 
Well, listen, because, you, you, you know, here you have Jews dispossessed of their land. Mm-hmm. The Romans destroyed the last vestiges of Jewish ind- independence in two very bloody wars, one that took place between the years 66 and 74, and the other that took place between the years 132 to 135. 135 really led to the to the uh, mass enslavement and expulsion. So there was always a Jewish present in the land of Israel all throughout history. But Jerusalem was plowed asunder with salt and all kinds of stuff that took place. Um, crucifixions of, of great rabbis took place throughout history. Um, Roman spies within synagogues to make sure that specific prayers were not being recited. I mean, all kinds of, so the, the, the rabbis had this huge issue. Right. Their, their, their issue focused on survival. How can a people be maintained through the spiritual aspects of their nationhood when the actual um, locus, physical place from whence we came uh, was, was for the most part forbidden to us. So, you, you know, you have this emphasis on the spiritual aspects, not the military aspects. But I will tell you that if you take a look at the Jewish prayer book, there is a paragraph that we recite, okay, for Hanukkah at this time of year part of the prayers. And while the outward custom is to light the Hanukkah menorah and say, you know, there was a great miracle that happened and focus on the, the, the cruise of oil that should have only lasted uh, one day, ends up lasting eight days. The prayer book itself includes a paragraph that focuses on the military aspect of it. And you really need to put yeah, both together to to get the full draw of what's about what Hanukkah is about. You know, interesting in Jewish and rabbinic literature, there is no tractate that deals with Hanukkah specifically. It happens to be dealt with briefly in the Talmudic tra- tractate known as Shabbat. Just four and a half folio of Tal- Talmudic discussion. So does that? Does that help Rabbi Jonathan Hausman explain why Hanukkah relative to other Jewish holidays is pretty low in terms of significance? Right. Well, listen, that is part of it. All right. That that is, I would say, part of it. It's a huge part of it. Okay. The rabbis focused on spiritual destruction. That's what they focused on. And they wanted to make sure that the Maccabees' role in it was as, as I wouldn't say light, but, you know, not as significant as it probably was or might have been in reality. So when we look at Hanukkah, and we're just getting low on time here, what do you think folks who are not Jewish should know yeah. about Hanukkah and maybe that we can take away as far as a, a lesson? Listen, I, I mean, the holiday does speak to religious freedom. I'm not going to take that away from anybody, okay? But How so? At, in, in terms of the, just really put a pin on that point. How does it emphasize or speak to religious freedom? Listen, very simple. It was the Seleucid Greek attempt to extirpate, to wipe out any vestiges of a separate Jewish religion. And the revolt, and the revolt was to save 
Judaism for the Jewish people. I mean, listen, people need to understand that part of what the Greek occupation force, Seleucid Greek occupation force did was to compel local Jews to gather in a central location where a leading Greek official would demand that Jews would eat pork or ham or bacon. I mean, that's really what you're talking about, okay? And to worship those animals that, in terms of the Jewish dietary practices, are forbidden to us. Matatiahu, Mattathias steps forward and says, no, sorry, not doing it. You know, so I want to say, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, again, our guest and so appreciate your time. When you talk about the religious freedom component, I think that's really important right now in this moment when religious freedom is under attack in various ways across the globe and even here in the United States. I mean, that really is a significant reminder, I think, in this moment of our own history. Yes, but, you know, people need to understand that Hanukkah is Jewish-specific as well. There, there's been this attempt over the past few decades to universalize Hanukkah in very much the same way that, as we've spoken, you know, over the years, uh, this attempt to universalize a lot of the Passover experience as well. Okay? Holiday of physical national mm-hmm. freedom and what? Yeah. Okay? Um, you know, so what do you have today? Well, you have many things that are happening today, including what? You have the Hanukkah menorah, the national Hanukkah menorah that's, that, that is lit down in Washington, D.C. You have Emhoff's, uh, background, you know, he's a, what, the, the second gentleman. So last year, yeah. Okay, let's do Hanukkah, as it were. Listen, I'm not taking anything away from it. It's nice that, you know, the White House did this. Don't, don't misunderstand me. People, people who are Jews who, you know, now, now say, listen, okay, you know, calendrically, it's close to, to Christmas, and we don't want our kids to, to feel left out. So instead of the, the chocolate gelt, gelt is a Yiddish for money, chocolate gelt, and maybe a crisp $5 bill and focus on the lighting of the Hanukkah candles, the menorah, which mm. it was when I was a kid is, you know, okay, eight days. Now it's eight days of gifts and this, you know, all this kind of stuff. It right. has been universalized. It has been commercialized. It's been, it's been uh, you know, successfully. So as a matter of fact, but yeah. people really need to know it's very minor on the calendar. I mean, you like, you like the Hanukkah menorah, sing a couple <laughs> songs, eat some fried foods, yeah, which is a wow. word in Hebrew for donuts and things of that sort. And, and you know, on the way. Yeah. Well, Rabbi Jonathan Ausman, it's always great to get your breakdown of Hanukkah, its uh, significance, its role, what it can teach us today as far as the message and the history. And so I appreciate it. Happy Hanukkah to you. Before we go out, I got another Christmas tune that I want to just play for a moment and let us sit back, relax, and then get your thoughts. It's one of my absolute favorite Christmas songs of all time. Johnny Lang doing a real down-and-dirty blues cover of Elvis Presley's Santa Claus is Back in Town.
right, Rabbi, what's your verdict on this one? That's a very nice rendition, <laughs> very nice cover of a Lieber and Stoller tune. That tune was written by two Jews from Brooklyn. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Elvis was the first one. Wasn't he the first one to do it, though? I, I think so. I okay. Think, I think Elvis did it in 57, something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Johnny Lang doing this yeah. version was he was like 17 or 18. But isn't that something else? Two Jewish guys yeah. recording Christmas well, tunes. Well, that seems like a pretty common yeah. theme, isn't it, though? Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, uh, who do you have? Irving Berlin wrote yeah. Christmas music. And things. I mean, all these Jewish composers wrote exactly. great Christmas music. Exactly. So. Especially when you get a, some bluesified tunes. I mean, that's when... You, re- you really can feel it. And Rabbi Hausman, yeah. thank you so much, as always, my friend. It's such a pleasure. Oh, by the way, I think that song, I think the flip side of that record was Santa Bring My Baby Back to Me, if I'm not mistaken. But I'll let you check on that. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Happy Hanukkah, my friend. Thanks for joining us, as always. Thanks, Thanks Jimmy. And have a very meaningful uh, and Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. Thank you, my friend. We're going to take a quick break here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We'll pick up the conversation on the other side. Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710-KNUS. Yes, indeed. One and all have a holly jolly Christmas. Wrapping up the first hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. My thanks to Rabbi Jonathan Hausman for that great interview. Always love talking with him. Of Ahavath Torah Congregation in Stoughton, Massachusetts. Text from a listener. Very interesting, Jimmy. As a Christian, I really didn't know much of this. Merry Christmas. And Alexa texting in. Very informative interview, wasn't it? And also fun. That's what we enjoy. And we're going to pick up the blues theme with another clergy member in the next hour. Top of the hour, the electric rev himself, Jimmy Bratcher, joins me to talk about Christmas and the blues. He is a Christian blues guy. And he has incredible music, has had over a dozen albums put out. Gotta love this, and I'm looking forward to it. Been listening to Jimmy Bratcher for a very long time, followed by Santa Claus. We've got quite an hour coming up on the other side. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. You are listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, the electric rev on the other side. Let's have some more fun. Merry Christmas. Stay with us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.